0: Thanks for joining us for Life Vineyard Church.
1: Well, good morning, guys. Good morning. My name is Liz, if we haven't met yet, and I'm one of the lead pastors here at Life. And I'm curious, how many of you um, have already put up some fall decorations? Raise your hand. (gasps) Nobody? Nobody's put up some fall decorations yet? Okay. <laughs> I get, the true confession is I get antsy towards the end of uh, summer, okay? And last week is what did it for me, okay? I put up some fall decorations this weekend because, did any of you enjoy some of that cool weather this past week? Yes, Okay. Like the 60s, the 70s, waking up when it's in the 60s, or maybe it was even in the 50s a few times when I woke up um, this week. It like gets me in the fall mood. Like I'm ready to change, switch out my shorts for jeans. I just want to put on a a sweatshirt. Like I get excited for that cozy feeling. Um, But you're right, it's it's just a false hope that I'm living in, okay, because it's going to be what in the 90s today with like we're in like a, a heat advisory during this week, so it's going to be pretty miserable. So this week I was scrolling Facebook and um, it was confirmed WCIA uh, confirmed my reality by posting this. It was like the 24 seasons of central Illinois. It'll come up in a In a second i think so this week they circled you are here this was last week false fall guess where we're at now summer's revenge okay that's this week so it's gonna take us a while to get to actual fall and then josh might like this one little debbie christmas cake season okay there's some funny ones up there but yes we were in false fall and i took the bait and i put up fall decorations, okay? Hook, line, and sinker, I took it. But what, what do you notice that draws you in to the changing seasons? You know, may, I mean, we're, it doesn't seem like we're a very fall-enthusiastic church from my first question, but maybe you really like um, pumpkin spice lattes and you are ready to be first in line at Starbucks when they launch pumpkin spice. Now, I did some research this week on the internet and the current buzz is that they have changed the launch date from August 29th to August 24th. That is this Thursday, people, so mark your calendars if you are a pumpkin spice person and be there, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm ready for the pumpkin spice cold brew. I, I saw that that was coming. Hmm. That's kind of like the ease in to uh, real fall for me. Or maybe you've been watching preseason football, and that kind of gets you in the zone for fall. Um, or there's like the few trees around town that are starting to change, the ones that I know change first, and they're already starting to show their color. So there are these invitations for us around, you know, this time of year that remind us of the upcoming, seasons and changes. Okay, now bringing it to scripture, there is this man named John the Baptist in the New Testament, okay? And he definitely got the attention of the ancient world because he lived out in the wilderness and he, um, he wore this weird clothing made of camel hair and he ate locusts for food and wild honey. It's true, Matthew tells us about it, okay? And the thing about John, even though he was a very interesting character that got the attention of people, he was not the main event, okay? He was just a witness to the things that were coming, the greater thing to come in Jesus. But he's out there in the wilderness, and he's inviting people to repent of their sin and turn to God and to be baptized. And the Jews were expecting a Messiah, and they th- they're saying, "Hey John, are you the Messiah?" And he was very emphatic to tell the Jewish leaders, "I am not the Messiah. I'm just the voice out here in the wilderness saying, "Clear the way for the Lord's coming." But John had disciples, he had followers that were with him anticipating this arrival of the real Messiah. And they knew that he was not the main event. And so that's kind of just the background of where we're starting our passage this morning. So I kind of want to talk through John 1, 35 through 42 today. And I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation as we go. But what I see in this passage where Jesus is forming his very first disciples is kind of this illustration of what our mission is at Life in Your Church. Our mission is to invite people into the life-renewing presence of God, and then becoming rooted followers of Jesus who partner with the Holy Spirit to live out our kingdom purpose. This is why we exist, and this is who we are as a church. And when I was reading through this passage, maybe a couple months ago, there was just this illumination for me, where I really saw these, these kind of three things highlighted that I was like, this is what I want our church to be about. This is who I see us being. This is who we are. And those three themes this morning are invitation, witness, and renaming. So we're just going to unpack this passage a little bit and and talk through those three themes this morning. So First, let's jump in at verse 35. The following day, John, this is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, walked by John, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So these are two disciples of John the Baptist. And like I said, they were ready for something. They knew John the Baptist isn't the main event. There is an arrival of the real Messiah. They're anticipating the arrival of Jesus. You know, they're following John because their heart is on this quest to find the real and true Messiah. But they probably had questions like, when is he going to arrive? How are we going to know it's him? And John knew that as he's baptizing, he has this baptizing ministry in the wilderness, as he's baptizing people, he knew that the one that he baptized, where the Holy Spirit would come and descend, that one was the true Messiah. And that happens just a few verses before where we pick up our text this morning. And so John knew that Jesus was on the scene, that he was visiting towns, that he was starting his own ministry. And so Jesus comes into proximity of these two followers of John. And when Jesus comes to their own town, they say, look, it's him. John says, look, it's Jesus. This is who I've been talking about. And these two followers of John, they desire to get a closer look at Jesus. And so they turn and follow him. Do you remember what drew you to Jesus initially when you started following him? You know, maybe you were at a place in your life where you were searching for something, and maybe you didn't know it was Jesus, but as soon as you gave him a closer look, you knew that that's what your heart longed for. And what about about now? What draws you to Jesus now? What draws you to be in his presence here in this place, in this body of believers? To meet with God. You know, when we first became pastors of this church, one of the members once told me, "For Sun- Sunday is about an encounter for her. That every Sunday she comes to church, she has an anticipation and an expectation to encounter God. And that's what we're here for. God is always giving us invitations. We are a place of invitation. We are inviting people into the life renewing presence of God. And that's not just a one-time event. There is an initial invitation that God says, would you make room for me in your heart? Would you come be a part of my family? But God the Father is always extending his invitations to us to know him better, to experience him, to encourage other people, to pray for other people. And the invitation goes both ways. He wants us to invite him also into our hearts, into our workplace, into our relationships, into everything that we do. We're to live wholeheartedly for Jesus. Now these two disciples, when Jesus comes, They do an about-face from following John to following Jesus. And you know, John's not mad about it. He's not offended. He's like, yeah, you guys were my followers, but there's Jesus, right? There's the real deal, the one we've been waiting for. So let's look what happens after they notice Jesus. Verse 38 says, oh, we're not there yet. Are we? are you guys? Yes. Verse 38. This is what happens next. Jesus looked around and saw them following. So they turn from John to Jesus. And then Jesus is kind of noticing, hey, he's got some more people following him. And he turns to them. He asks them this question. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? So here's what I kind of see. They are not quite sure what they want to answer to Jesus' question. Jesus says, what do you guys want? And they kind of stumble through their answer, and they're kind of thrown off by his direct question. You know, they have a lot of internal desires that they, they really do want from Jesus. They want to know, like, is he the real deal? Should I give my life to you? Are you the one worth following? And they kind of don't know how, how to answer his question okay he's like what do you want and they're like "Mm -hmm." humming and hawing. oh where are you staying jesus you know that's how i'm going to answer your question that seems like a polite answer right that's something that you and i would do you know they they awkwardly answer jesus's question by another question have you ever gone to like a, a furniture store or maybe like a car dealership like you're ready to make a bigger purchase but You just wanted to see it up close first. Like, you weren't ready to make the commitment and, like, make the big purchase. You just wanted to kind of, like, view it a little bit closer. And, like, anytime I go to those places, I'm like, how can I sneak past all the salespeople, you know, and just, like, go see what I wanna see? Because I'm not ready to be bombarded by, like, Hey, what are you looking for? How can we help you today? How can this fit your family's needs? You know, because I'm like a sucker for their, all their questions. It just kind of makes me freeze. That's why online shopping is really where it's at. But sometimes you want to see something in person, right? So there's, there's this directness about Jesus's question. You know, the disciples that left John and turned to Jesus, they were looking to to look at Jesus up close, but maybe just casually, maybe just fitting into the crowd, the rest of the people following Jesus. And yet Jesus turns to them and says, what do you want? And then to their, to their question, well, where are you staying, Jesus? Jesus says this, verse 39. Come and see, he said. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon, When they went with him to the place he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. So Jesus says, come and see. And then they have this connection with Jesus, that they just hang out with him the rest of the day. And I imagine Jesus giving this answer to all of us. Like he's asking you, what do you want, dear child, And you might have all these internal longings, but we hum and we haw and we we don't know how to articulate exactly what we want. And Jesus just says, come and see. Because the invitation is both ways. The the, The disciples think they're looking for Jesus, but Jesus says, I'm looking for you too. And that's what he says to us. We're looking for Jesus, but he has been on a quest for us all along. Jesus is looking for followers, people to invite into his kingdom, people to um, come to his banquet feast at the end of time that say yes to his eternal life that he offers He says, come and see, I have good news for you. Come and see, I have healing for you. Come and see, I have peace and strength for you. Come and see, I have a new identity for you. Revelation 3.20 says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. We're looking for Jesus, but Jesus is looking for us. And he makes his home in our heart. And he makes his presence right here in our midst. So I just wanted to pause. Like if you've been giving, if you've come closer to Jesus and and wanted to give him a second look, but you haven't opened your heart fully to him yet, there's no better day than right now to say, yes, Jesus, I am making room in my heart for you today. And so I just want to pause and and pray a prayer right now. We'll close our eyes, we'll bow our heads, and if you're like, yes, I need to say yes to Jesus, I've been giving him a closer look, but I need to say yes. This is even for people online. You can just repeat this prayer in your mind with me as I pray it out loud. So close your eyes with me. Jesus, I open the door of my heart to you. Would you come in and fill my heart now? I choose to follow you. I am sorry for turning away from you and living for myself. I know you created me, and you gave your life to save me. Please make me new. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. So now after his disciples go and John's disciples turn to Jesus and they go see where he lives, they stay there the rest of the day. And they have this amazing time just hanging out with Jesus. And I love that. I love that, like, there, there's no overstaying your welcome with Jesus, right? Like, he's, they say where are you staying? And he's come and see, and they just, he changes his plans, welcomes the interruption, and they have this beautiful time hanging out together. And then we get to finally verse 40, where we we finally see at least one person's name of these two disciples that make this abrupt change from John to Jesus. And verse 40 says this, Andrew simon peter's brother was one of these men who heard what john said and then followed jesus andrew went to find his brother simon and told him we've found the messiah which means christ so after this encounter with jesus andrew one of those disciples that turned from john to jesus says i know what i got to do i got to go home and tell my brother about what just happened I got to go tell him about the encounter that I just had, this discovery of the actual Messiah we've been waiting for. And it's this beautiful moment of witness, where we are witnesses to the story of God. There's this invitation that Jesus offers him that changes his life, and he goes and tells his brother. And so as we experience the life-changing presence of God, we go and tell other people our story. We tell other people what he has done for us, what he continually does for us. And that invites other people into God's presence. We're witnesses of what God does when we pray for people, when we name the truth of what God is doing in someone's life. When we speak what the Spirit is telling us to say, we take the investment that God has placed in us and we invest it in other people. We are His witnesses. We say yes to His invitation and we proclaim His goodness. You know, who are you investing in in this season? Maybe it's your kids, your family. Maybe it's a coworker or a friend, and you just say, God, I'm gonna start praying for them. I'm just gonna start praying for them. And then you just you just become open to the whole the, the the invitations the Holy Spirit gives you. That we can partner with Him in what He's doing every day around us because He's always at work. He's always at work. And his life-giving presence goes with you wherever you go. So you're always listening and in touch with those invitations to be a witness of who he is and his goodness. So now we get to this really interesting part of the story. John's disciples say, "See you, John." They turn to Jesus. They start following Jesus. He's like, "What do you want?" They're like, "We don't know where are you staying?" Come and see. They go hang out. Andrew tells his brother. And now, Andrew's brother comes to see Jesus. Okay? And this is what happens. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. That seems pretty basic, but let me tell you, he is renaming this disciple in the very moment. It's stunning. He's giving him a new name. And Cephas is the Arama- Aramaic name, meaning rock. Okay, and Petros is the Greek version, so that's where we get Peter. So this is the, name, the renaming of Peter, who we read about later in the Gospel story, and so Jesus immediately renames this man. And we will see that Peter goes on to have a lot of ups and downs in the gospel story, okay? And it doesn't seem that he lives out his name by his actions until much later. But, but Jesus renames him right away from this first encounter. So throughout the Bible, God changes people's names to signify the the special calling that he gives them. And it's not about their actions in the moment. Jesus takes us from who we've been and gives us a new identity. He renames us. He gives us a new identity. And he says, you're in my family now, and I'm giving you a new identity to live out, and I'm renaming you. Not by who you've been, but who you are, your true identity. And Jesus does this for Peter right away. And we see this is true. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. And later in Revelation 2.17 Listen to this. Anyone who, hear, who with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. You know, in ancient times, Um, A white stone was given to uh, the, the person who was victorious in games, ancient games, and that was their admission ticket to the banquet. And Revelation 19 talks about this banquet in heaven that we will be invited to. And it's a beautiful passage. You should go read it. Revelation 19, and even it says like, some are like, oh, I'm too busy, I have to go back to my job, I have to go bury my spouse. And, and then Jesus says, go out into the streets and invite everybody you know to this banquet. I want as many people at this banquet as possible. And equally significant is that white stone in trials, um, a juror would vote uh, guilty with a black stone Or with a white stone, they would vote innocent. So the picture here is that we've been given eternal freedom and victory in Jesus Christ. And you have been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. You are united with Christ. You've been chosen to live out these good works that he's prepared for you long in advance. And here at Life, his presence lives in you. His presence is among us. And we say, we want you to live out your kingdom purpose here on earth. We're going to invest in you. And we're going to say yes to what God is doing in your life. And we're a safe community that says, I'm going I'm to name what I see God doing in you. I'm going to name your new identity. And we live in the power of the Spirit to, to extend these invitations to other people and say, we want you to taste the goodness of Jesus. So I want to pass um, these white stones down the aisles and as we finish up. So Dan and Greg, you see that like uh, basket thingy? It's not a basket. It's a black tray. Just take one and hold on to it. And I want you to just hold on to it um, in the rest of worship. And the, the music team, the worship team can come on up. And I want you to just have this as a, as a conversation piece between you and Jesus that says, Jesus, how have you and are you renaming me? What invitations are you giving me? to say yes to, to follow you. God, how are you calling me to be a witness of all the things you've done? Because Jesus has given you a new name. Maybe your name is Beautiful Servant because you look to the needs of others and live sacrificially and persevere through suffering faithfully. Maybe your name is one of faith because you've said yes to him over and over and you've walked a narrow road. When others have left, you've continually said yes to the call of God on your life. Maybe your name is truly restored because he's taken your past struggles and your traumas, and he's redeemed you, and he's heal- healing you, and he's allowing those things to be a sweet fragrance of hope for others. Maybe it's the name Unashamed, because you live in complete abandonment to him. Maybe it's Chosen. Because he's weaved this tapestry of hope in your life. That without him things might be a mess, but with him, there's this beautiful display of glory. That's my call to action for you is just take this stone and 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 see it as your gift of belonging to him and ask him, What is my name? Would you guys stand as we get ready to worship?
0: At Life Vineyard Church, we want you to experience the life-changing presence of God. We'd love to have you join our community. We meet every Sunday in Muhammad, Illinois. To find out more, go to lifevineyard.org. Lifevineyard.org. oh, hey, you're still here. You're like one of my favorite people, the, the kind of person that like sticks around after church while everybody else is left. Like You're still one of the last ones talking. You're like the podcast version of that person. And while I have you here, uh, if you didn't know, this is Pastor Dan. Uh, while I have you here, I just want to say, hey, if you don't have a church home, we would love for you to come to life if you're in the central Illinois area. If you're listening to this outside of central Illinois, go find a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are amazing places. Go find one near you, and if you're not near a vineyard church, then uh, just find a church, a community of believers that you can be involved with, be in community with. I think we are our best spiritual selves when we are in community with other people who are following Jesus. That's what the church is for. So, We hope to see you here, and if not here, go find a community of believers that you can get involved with this week. All right, thanks for listening. See you later.